And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we go. It is Tuesday. My name is Jason Hunt. I am the editor-in-chief here at Sci-Fi For Me. Welcome, all of you. Thanks for being here. Live chat's open. Comments are active. If you want to send us notes and join the conversation by comment... Or email, you can do that too. The email address live from the bunker at sci-fi-for-me.com. If you're joining us live, we're glad you're here. We're broadcasting to YouTube, Odyssey, and Facebook. If you are not live, if you're here with the replay, uh, you can still leave your thoughts and tell us what you think about the things, what we talk about here. And we want to give a shout-out to all of the people who are listening to us as a podcast. We're on a number of different player platforms where you can find us. And we have listeners from all over the world. Iceland, New Zealand, Germany, France, Brazil. We're happy that you're all with us. And I do invite you and ask and request and petition your indulgence and ask that you share the links to these shows. If you enjoy what we do here, uh, we would very much appreciate it if you would act in a capacity as a brand ambassador for us and let people know that we're here, that we exist, you know, our, our, the who's of Whoville. We're here, we're here, we're here, right? Um, all right, so uh, a couple of things. First of all, I want to mention, uh, for those of you who are keeping track of all of the different things that are going on with, uh, with, with conventions and that sort of thing if you are involved with that or not or if you just are looking for places where you can go or kind of checking the status of an event that you normally attend I want to draw your attention to sci-fi for me.com our conventions and events page which has a calendar embedded in it and you'll see that this is color-coded and there's all sorts of notations here Mindy does a very good job of keeping track as best we can of the different uh, different things going on in the event space. And we're tracking the events that are going virtual. We're tracking events that are going to be on uh, uh, in person. And we're also now looking at mask and vaccination policies. So all of those things we're making notes in this calendar as well as giving you regular updates here at Sci-Fi For Me TV. And this calendar, this list here, it's alphabetical. We're still working on the searchable database. But there are currently right now 2,234 events worldwide that are on this list. It is the largest list online of active and current events that we know about. You're not going to find a list 
as comprehensive as this one anywhere else on the web. We're very proud of that. Uh, and uh, Mindy does a good job of maintaining that. And of course, if your event is not on the list, then you need to get that information to us. Something that we were talking about the other day, <clears throat> uh, as a matter of fact, yesterday, uh, this came up as in, uh, in the course of the program. Uh, somebody that was in the chat mentioned that they had bought my book. I don't know if anybody had, uh, had uh, known about that, but apparently... There's been a few people that have bought it, and I guess that there's, uh, you know, I guess there's some interest, some people decide to do it. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going, I'm going to mention my book because there's, and there's a reason for this. Yes, it seems a little bit uh, self-serving, but um, there's, a, there's a reason why I'm going to mention it, because it goes into our... Uh, our conversation today. Where did it go? The interesting. Okay, not in all. Let's look in books. <laughs> That's some weird stuff that just popped up in that search. <clears throat> no, you don't want to know, Mrs. Boss. The hero at the end of his rope. It's available on Amazon, uh, paperback and Kindle. My goodness gracious. Okay, so the reason I mentioned this is because it's come up in conversation a couple of times, and somebody mentioned in chat that they had bought this book, and I'm very gratified for that. I, I, I'm, I'm very thankful, and, you know, I appreciate any kind of support whenever stuff like this happens. You know, we get a super chat, or we get a, uh, somebody buys the book, or something like that, and it's one of those things where it kind of catches me up short when somebody does this thing that says, Hey, I like what you're doing. Keep doing more of it. It's it's uh, we we get that occasionally. It's a nice you know it's nice to get a pat on the back, uh, but occasionally it just comes out of the blue. And it's a little bit of a surprise sometimes. So it's uh, it's good to see uh, every now and again. Now uh, let me let me go over here and mention since we mentioned the chat. I see Alois Doddle in there and Cam one one three eight. Uh, yes, the Substack thing that we're going to get to that, and the reason it's come up is because of all of the activity, the the news that we've had this week. So it kind of ties in with the conversation that Mrs. Boss and I have been having over the last few days with regard to my own writing. Because uh, for a number of years, I made the attempt to pretend to be a writer. And the hero at the end of his rope was an experiment in that. And it was one of those things where uh, I did something to show that I could do something. It was not really so much, uh, uh, let's, let's publish it and get rich and, and I can retire as an author. But it was one of those things where I said, let's see if I can do this thing, what I want to do. So I self-published it and it's out there and I've sold maybe 15, 20 copies. And OK, it's there. But we've been talking about it here about, you know, the changes in 
the economy, the changes in what's going on in the landscape with regard to the pandemic and the lockdown and this push for no vax, no job and, and this segregation of society that we're starting to see with regard to certain aspects of you know, getting vaccinated or not, shutting down the economy or not, any of that. So we're talking a little bit, and Mrs. Boss thinks that I should start writing again. I'm not quite sure of that, because I have a number of ideas, and all of that stack is off in a drawer somewhere still in a filing cabinet, so I could pull all that stuff out and refine it and nurture it and start working on it. But there's two things. Uh, one, having the time to do it. And two, having the motivation to do it. And time is probably my, my biggest enemy with regard to that. But it got me thinking about, you know, every now and again I pop over to this idea that maybe I'll write and crowdfund a comic book. I Maybe. I don't know. I've had a couple of ideas. But there are a number of independent creators who have done just that thing. They've gone to Kickstarter, they've gone to Indiegogo, and they are making money hand over fist with their independent projects. And we know about Ethan Van Skyver and his Cyberfrog stuff, but he's not the only one. Brian Polito's been doing it for years. Billy Tucci's done it. Uh, you know, we've got uh, uh, Richard Meyer, we've got Peter Semetti over at Alterna Comics doing it, uh, Clint Stoker. Uh, Eric Weathers, uh, Von, uh, Von Klaus, you know, uh, uh, Michael Bancroft is fulfilling the Lucent right now. Mandy Summers and Peter Gilmore are just about to cross $26,000 on their uh, Jack the Ripper Vampire Hunter project they're doing now. All of these people are doing something right because they're making money with their projects. So it's got me, you know, right here in the back of my mind, there's this little niggling idea that says, maybe, maybe you could do it too. Maybe you could do it too. But I don't know. And this is not some self-serving, you know, feed my ego, tell me that I'm a good writer or anything like that. Because y'all y'all don't know any of my writing. You've seen the, the stuff we do here. But that's different. That's not fiction. And then we have publishers. Now, I mentioned Peter Semitti. Alterna Comics has done some crowdfunding projects before. Boom Studios has done it with Keanu Reeves and Berserker. Dynamite has dipped into crowdfunding variant covers for various different projects that they've done over the last couple of two, three years. So it's not an unusual thing now to see people that you would consider traditional publishing dipping into the crowdfunding model. Now, a lot of times it's, you know, one-offs. It's these, it's these things that... You know, we're just going to do this thing for fun, or if it's a uh, if it's a, a, a fundraiser, maybe for a charity. And then the pros, the professionals who are working in the traditional publishing side of things, 
are always, you know, they have been for the last few years poo-pooing this idea of doing this crowdfunding. That's just not the way they're done. Except it is now. Image did it back in the 90s. We're going to go and we're going to make our own thing and the creator is going to own the thing, not the publisher. And you look at something like DC Marvel, especially. Now, Dark Horse made their bones doing licensed tie-in material. So I'm not going to look at them. And Image did the creator-owned stuff back in the 90s. So let's, let's set them aside for a second. I'm talking specifically DC and Marvel more than anybody else. But this does apply to any of the publishers that are the traditional publishing model publishers uh, besides DC and Marvel. The paradigm is shifting, and we saw some of this last year during the pandemic when Diamond Comics distributors said, we can't, we can't ship books. We've got books sitting in the warehouses, we can't send anything, we can't pay our bills, and we don't know what's going to happen next. And the floor kind of fell out of the comics industry last year when not only did you have Diamond unable to conduct business... But you also had a number of the local comic shops shut down because of state and local municipalities deciding, well, we're just going to shut everybody down. The economic harm that was done then, we still haven't recovered from, and now they're talking about doing it again. But that's a, that's a conversation for another day. And... The cracks started to show when Sean Gordon Murphy decided to crowdfund a book. And, of course, the traditional publishing professionals says, Oh, Sean, you shouldn't do that right now. Not in the middle of a pandemic. How insensitive of you. Well, Sean did it anyway, and he made money. And then we get Scott Snyder doing Noctera, I think is what it was called. And it did okay, and now it's going to be published, you know, as a monthly. Now, Scott Snyder is, a, is, an, is an interesting case study because Scott Snyder was the big up-and-comer out of the New 52 writing Batman. He and Greg Capullo uh, doing gangbusters over there. And at one point, reportedly, allegedly... Scott was going to become the next target for the Comics Whisper Network. That's the one that's run by Alex Campy and Heidi McDonald and that group. Allegedly. So, Scott Snyder inks this big deal with Comixology, which is owned by Amazon now. Comixology, for those of you who don't know, is a digital comic book library. So if you are a fan of comic books, but you don't want to buy the periodicals, you don't want to buy the floppies, the single-issue comics in a physical form, you can download and read digital copies of those comic books through services like Comixology. They're not the only ones out there, but they're the biggest ones. And Scott Snyder makes this deal for eight different titles at Comixology 
And this was announced toward the end of last month. And everybody kind of went, oh, hold the bus. I thought, wait, hold on. Scott Snyder's not going to be doing anything with DC anymore. These are creator-owned deals. Just like... Just like the folks at Comicsgate have been doing for the last three or four or five years. So after three or four or five years of Comicsgate being painted as some kook fringe outlier alt-right Nazi bigoted movement, now you have professionals, you have established names like Sean Gordon Murphy, like Scott Snyder, like Todd McFarlane doing his Spawn figure over on Kickstarter. You've got recognizable names that are doing deals for creator-owned independent projects. Not with traditional publishing. So the cracks in the walls. It was only a matter of time. Those of us who have been paying attention to this know that it was only a matter of time. And we said so at the time. That this was going to happen. This was coming. And here it is. Uh, Manny uh, just joined the chat. You haven't missed very much. Just uh, setting up, setting the table, as it were, is what I'm doing. Poils1 in the chat. Uh, Poils1 is, is the one who was in here yesterday mentioning that, uh, they, that uh, the hero at the end of his rope was now in the Poils 1 library. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, hope, it was, hope it was worth it. <coughs> but you've got, you've got the established professionals now that are doing this kind of thing with independent publishing, let's say. Not necessarily a crowdfunded model, although they've done that. But looking at other places, other avenues for publishing their work. And these are places, these are platforms where they can control their work. Now we've got, you know, things like Webtoon and some other places where you can, you can publish the things. And, you know, DeviantArt has been a place where some people have posted some of their work. A lot of that's portfolio type of stuff. Webtoon is the, you know, you, you can read these. It's, it's geared more toward looking at it on your mobile device, so it's more vertically oriented than a traditional comic book layout. But you're starting to see alternate channels of distribution come to the fore, not just, not just the crowdfunding with Kickstarter and Indiegogo, although they've made millions on those platforms in the last especially the last four or five years. And then Substack comes along. Now, the first I heard about Substack uh, was when Glenn Greenwald got fired from The Intercept. This was a, a, a publication that Glenn Greenwald co-founded, and he got fired from his publication... Because he was not left-leaning, progressive, crazy enough. And then 
the next next I heard about Substack, Barry Weiss had set up over on Substack after she had resigned from the New York Twitter Times. So Substack suddenly becomes this thing that that people start talking about, and tongue started wagging about Substack. What is the what is the Substack thing? And as best I can characterize it. Substack is kind of like Patreon or Kickstarter. It's a crowdfunded model. It's a crowdfunded subscription model. Well, I say crowdfunded. It basically takes elements of blogs and crowdfunding and subscriptions and kind of mixes it all together. So you have people that are writing articles, writing new, you know, journalists that are over there. You have people that are writing opinion pieces and different essays. And your community, the people that are fans, have an option to subscribe to your material, your column, as it were, to use an old newspaper phrase. So if you were to publish on a regular basis, say, movie reviews or opinion pieces about Mario Cuomo, for example, or any of these kind of things where you're writing on a regular basis, this is... Basically, this is a monetized blog on steroids. That's my understanding. It's, that's, that's nuts and bolts what this thing is. Well, back in early June, we got the news that Substack had made a deal with Nick Spencer, formerly of Marvel Comics, to start developing a comic book-oriented wing of Substack, a different model by which Substack would start publishing comic books very much like, you know, you do your Patreon or you do your Subscribestar and you're providing uh, material that's exclusive to the people who pay for access. And it's not necessarily just a newsletter. I mean, you whatever you create, whether it's essays or fiction or nonfiction, news coverage, medical journals, any your diary, what you ate for breakfast that day, whatever it is that you want to publish on Substack, you have, you know, once you get to a certain threshold, you have the option of monetizing that through subscriptions and this is not the only place where you do that locals is another place where stuff like that is possible by the way we do have a locals community um we just had two people join it the other day and i guess we ought to be doing something with it <laughs> but it's one of those things where substack is like okay you control your content and we'll help you monetize and manage it now, I'm not sure exactly how the ownership of copyright goes with this. I'm assuming, since so many people are moving over there, I'm assuming that Substack does not make any kind of a claim to the copyright. You own your stuff. So, this week, we have bombshell news. Substack has made a deal with several creators. This is New York Times. Comic book writers and artists follow other creators to Substack. 
Subheadline, a group of creators will publish new comic book stories, essays, and how-to guides on the platform as a way to connect directly with fans. That's a key element here. The direct connection to the fans. The direct-to-consumer model. This, now, the, the, the downside of this is that it bypasses the local comic shop. There's that. But it also bypasses Diamond and DC and Marvel and whatever shenanigans that they've got in place with their $5.99 cover price for 20 pages and your multiple number one reboots and how many variant covers and let's flood the shelves with all of this stuff that nobody wants. This is an article by George Jean Gustines, dated August 9th, reading from the article. In recent years, dozens of top journalists, historians, and essayists have tried their luck as solo practitioners on Substack, the digital newsletter platform that has built an audience of more than 500,000 subscribers since it started in 2017. Now a number of comic book creators have decided to do the same. Now, I want you to make a note there. 500,000 people is not a lot. But if you have 500,000 people who are giving you $10 a month, just let's just say, 500,000 times 10 times 12 is... Let's see here. Let's do this math. 500,000 times 10. And I'm, I'm pulling 10 out of, out of the air just for the sake of thing. You're looking at $60 million. If you're at a $10 a month subscription and you keep that 500,000 500, subscribers. That's not chump change. Continuing here, Nick Spencer, a comic book writer best known for his work on Mar- for Marvel Entertainment. Note they say Marvel Entertainment and not Marvel Comics. <clears throat> Was the liaison between Substack and a group of creators who, starting Monday, will publish new comic book stories, essays, and how-to guides on the platform. He says he approached Chris Best, a Substack founder, with the idea last year when the pandemic was keeping many fans out of the comic book shops and the creators were looking for new ways to connect with readers. Now, this is interesting because I was not aware that Nick Spencer had approached Substack. I was under the impression that it had gone the other way, that Substack reached out to Nick Spencer and said, hey, how can we get into this comic book space here that's making all this money over on Indiegogo and Kickstarter? For Nick Spencer an established writer at Marvel Comics to go over to Substack and say, hey, how do we do this? That says a whole lot more about the state of things in the comics industry. And I'm going to circle back to that here in a minute. What? What? Oh. Mrs. Boss in my ear over here. The, uh, from the article, the initial lineup includes comic-centric newsletters from Saladin Ahmed, 
Jonathan Hickman, Molly Ostertag, Scott Snyder, and James Tinian IV with other writers and artists to be announced. The creators will be paid by Substack while keeping ownership of their work. The company will take most of the subscription revenue in the first year. After that, it will take a 10% cut. So basically, they're becoming contractors for Substack, and Substack takes all of the subscription money for the first year, and then they will pay these creators a fee, I guess. Mr. Tinian, who last month won an Eisner Award, the comic industry's highest honor for best writer, said he would break away from writing Batman for DC Entertainment, no, 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 DC Comics, to devote time to his creator-owned series and his Substack newsletter. <coughs> By the way, we have a list of the Eisner Award winners over at sci fi for mecom all right, so I want to jump over to Tinian's uh, blog entry about this. Uh, this is James Tinian IV, Substack.com, A Whole New Era, the title. He says here, The last couple of months have been extremely surreal and gratifying. I launched my highest-selling original comic book series yet with The Nice House on the Lake at DC Black Label. News got out that my best-selling horror conflict, uh, comic, Something is Killing the Children, is in development in Netflix with Mike Flanagan and Trevor Macy's Intrepid Pictures. By the way, we reported on that on uh, Good Morning Multiverse. And we announced that Boom Studios and I are launching the first spinoff title in the Slaughterverse with House of Slaughter, which we also reported on on Good Morning Multiverse. Over at Image Comics, my conspiracy thriller, The Department of Truth, hit sales highs, approaching our original launch numbers for issues 10 and 11. Turns out people like Bigfoot. While we continue to develop the project for television with the fine people at Sister. Now, note, please, if you will, how many of these projects... Involve TV deals. Streaming deals. Put a pin in that. Because. We'll, we'll, we'll get back into that. <clears throat> I've also been having some extremely exciting conversations about the future of my young adult series Wind in comics and other media that I can't talk about just yet. And then a few weeks back, I found out that I had been given one of the top accolades in the comic book field, winning the award for Best Writer at the Eisner Awards. Okay, congratulations, James. But in the midst of all that, I was trying to make one of the most difficult decisions of my professional life. DC had presented me with a three-year renewal of my exclusive contract with the intent of me working on Batman for the bulk of that time. I was grateful of the offer, but I couldn't help but look at the success of my original creator-owned titles and wonder if it was the right choice. And then I received another contract, the best I've ever been given in a decade as a professional comic book writer, a grant from Substack. That's interesting that he describes it as such. A grant from Substack to create a new slate of original comic book properties directly on their platform, 
that my co-creators and I would own completely with Substack taking none of the intellectual property rights or even the publishing rights. Now, that's, that's interesting the way he describes that as a grant. So basically, it sounds like Substack has offered an advance to these creators, which is why they're going to take, probably why they're going to take all of the subscription money for the first year to try to get that advance back. What if, and I'm not saying this is going to be like that, but what if some of these creators don't have enough subscribers to cross that threshold to make the money back so Substack gets that grant back, get that advance back? What happens then? Hmm? 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 Curious. I'm curious about that. So... Why why do we see all of a sudden this exodus from the from the traditional publishing houses? Why do we see this exodus of creative talent from DC and Marvel and Boom and IDW? Is it because sales are down? Is it because but I mean we keep hearing that the comics industry is doing fine. The comics industry is doing just great. John Jackson Miller over at Comicron says, everything's fine, everything's peachy, everything's grand. Look at all the sales. Of course, in those numbers, they're now counting manga, which is blowing Western comics out of the water. And they're also looking at the numbers of for the indie comics that are being crowdfunded over at Kickstarter and Indiegogo. And there's probably some, I don't know, what was the number I read? $22 million that have been made across those two platforms? The comics industry, the traditional comics industry, is not doing fine. You can paper over it however you want. But the traditional comics industry is not doing fine. If the traditional comics industry was doing gangbusters the way that uh, Jim Lee and Daniel Cherry III want to make out in this article from The Hollywood Reporter, if the, if the comics industry was doing as well as they want to make you think it is, then why would Mags Visaggio be setting up a GoFundMe to pay the rent? Mags Visaggio was the star of the month for a number of years. I mean, you saw that name on a number of different publications. Vagrant Queen even got an adaptation at Sci-Fi. Didn't last even a full season because nobody watched it because it wasn't good. But that's beside the point. Mags Visaggio is a transgendered writer, so of course checks all the boxes. Let's hire this person for everything. I mean, traditional uh, traditional comics is doing fine because you know, we've got... I am not Starfire. Traditional comics is doing fine. They've 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 given Captain Marvel Carol Danvers a butch haircut. 
And when they're not giving her a butch haircut, making her look like a potato, Brian Stelter in, in drag. I mean, they made Iceman gay. Now they've made Tim Drake gay. You had this big X-Men gala where everybody stands around talking to each other for 12 issues. By the way, how many times has Captain Marvel been rebooted? How many number ones have we had over the last four or five years? How many reboots? How many variant covers? And how many of the main comic book cover do you have to order before you can get one variant cover? But the comics industry is doing just fine. Or is it possible that when Kelly Sue DeConnick sat there and said, if you don't like my politics, don't buy my books, people took her up on it. And they said, okay, we won't. And they haven't. And they don't. And so the traditional publishers are reduced to stunts like making Tim Drake the latest character to flip his sexual orientation out of nowhere for no reason at all other than to get people talking about it. But comics are doing just fine. The industry is doing just fine. Then why does DC and Marvel feel like they have to cut their lines in half? Why have they gone through at least two rounds of firing people? Cutting back on staff. If Jim Lee is right, and if the entire DC film media universe depends on DC Comics publishing books, then why aren't they publishing more books? Why aren't they selling more books. See, the numbers that we see over at Comicron, for example, they count the books that were ordered by the retail outlets, the comic book shops. They don't count the sales to the customer. But comics are doing just fine. If comics are doing fine, why did DC Comics hire Daniel Cherry III away from Activision? He's a video game guy. He's not a comics guy. Maybe he read comics when he was a kid, a teenager. But he's not been in the comics industry. He's not an industry professional. See, this is what they do. They hire people who either write about comics because they have opinions, Heather Antos, or they want to get somebody who's got some kind of name recognition for being controversial, Ta-Nehisi Coates. Or they do the diversity hire, 
who ends up inserting herself into a book with uh, what's her name with with Ms. Marvel, G. Willow Wilson. Who's the Who's the one? Who's the editor? Um, I just went blank on her name. But the comics industry is is getting away with hiring people that don't have any experience in comics. And they're setting up divisions to develop Sana Animat. Thank you, uh, Poils One. Thank you, Sana Animat. Did you, has anybody has anybody read I Am Not Starfire? Mariko Tamaki basically putting herself in the book as the daughter of Starfire. The goth, angry, resentful daughter of Starfire. And by all accounts that I've run across, it is utter garbage. Yeah, Manny says, I've heard people that read it, it was terrible. And it looks it. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I understand that I Am Not Starfire is supposed to be a YA book and it's laced with F-bombs. Is that really the look you want to go for? But comics are doing just fine. The comics industry is booming. The comics industry is doing fantastic. But is it when some of your top-tier writers and artists are leaving to do their own thing? Now, it is going to be interesting to see what happens because Diamond has just hired a new executive president who used to work at Penguin Random House, which is the one that's going to start uh, distributing Marvel in October, and they've been distributing DC. That's an interesting development. But I want to circle back to that pin that I put in there about that other media. Because this has been a, a, a question, this has been a topic of a discussion a number of times. Why... There's been such a big push on any of this. The creator-owned stuff suddenly has such cachet and relevance. Why? Could it be that maybe Richard Meyer has it right in that a lot of these creators have been writing these books simply as pitches for streaming shows? I mean, it worked with Vagrant Queen. Vagrant Queen got picked up as a series from sci-fi. It failed. But they got the show. And you look at the, the, the eight different titles that Scott Snyder is setting up at Comixology, and any one of them could be adapted for a streaming series. All of this looks like, I want to set up my own intellectual property 
so that when Netflix comes talking with that sweet, sweet streaming money, I'm the only one that gets paid off because of it. The comics industry is just fine, but it's not about comics anymore. It's about everything else. It's about the TV deal. It's about the movie deal. It's about the video game. It's about the merchandise. It's about the board game, the card game, the t-shirts, the Hot Wheels cars, the Lego kits. Now see, DC and Marvel, they can exploit all of their intellectual properties. Batman, Superman, Thor, Wonder Woman, Iron Man, X-Men, Fantastic Four, Justice League, all of those. And they will make tons of money on the merchandise and the movies. Now, the last couple of years, not so much. Suicide Squad. It's come out. Everybody loves it. But it hasn't made any money. Opening weekend. 20... $6.5 million opening weekend domestic box office here in the United States. They were expecting 30 They didn't get it. Which means, in Hollywood parlance, this is a bomb. No matter that everybody loves this movie, no matter that it's got a critics rating of 96% and an audience score of something like 83 84%, everybody loves this movie but didn't make money. Just short. Just short of their expectations. And in Hollywood, if it's short of expectations, it has failed. Overseas, 45.7 million. Which means the Suicide Squad, for all of the talk about how great it is, how fantastic it is, throw in a little German there, It hasn't succeeded at the box office. Now, how much money did it make in premium fees at home, on streaming, on HBO Max? Did that help? Maybe, maybe not. But you stop and consider the lawsuit that uh, Scarlett Johansson brought against Disney could be the first of many. If Emma Stone drops, drops a lawsuit on them too, I would expect that the dominoes will start falling. Disney has not had a good month and a half. And Warner Brothers appears to have seen the light. This article in Variety here from... Uh, Yesterday, August 9th, Rebecca Rubin and Brett Lang, Brent Lang, on the on the uh, on the byline, <clears throat> AMC Theaters and Warner Brothers agree to shorten theatrical window. Not exactly the headline, because buried in this. AMC Theaters has reached a formal agreement with Warner Brothers to show the studio's 2022 slate on the big screen for an exclusive 45-day window. Now, there's a couple of takeaways here for this, because in the past, 
pre-pandemic, in the PP era, the, the traditional theatrical window was 60 to 75 days. Before anyone got it in home theater, home video, cable, streaming, any of that. 60 to, 60 to 75 days. So the headline is correct that AMC Theaters and Warner Brothers agree to shorten the theatrical window because they're going down to just 45 days. But the fact that they are agreeing to an exclusive theatrical window at all tells you that Warner Brothers has had enough coffee and has woken up to the fact that this is going to kill theaters if they keep doing day and date. Movie theaters are really hanging by a thread right now anyway. And the National Association of Theater Owners has come out dead set against it and has said that Disney left a ton of money on the table by, by streaming simultaneously especially in the case of Black Widow, but when you stream at the same time you're putting it in theaters, then you're cutting the theater's noses off. You're cutting them off at the knees and basically saying they don't matter anymore. And with Bob Chapek's emphasis on streaming services and all of these other streaming services, there were two different stories that have come out here in the last 24 hours about Cinedime. Have you heard of them? You're about to. Streaming is where it's at. Streaming, 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 streaming. Netflix, Disney Plus, HBO Max, AMC Plus, Discovery Plus. Everybody's got a plus. Maybe we should do a Sci-Fi for Me Plus. That'll be our subscription service. Sci-Fi for Me Plus, thirty dollars a month. Let's get in on some of that, some of that streaming money, shall we? Christopher Hoffman in the chat says, it's the second most watched debut on HBO Max, The Suicide Squad. He says, I was speaking to someone yesterday about The Suicide Squad. They were still on the fence about seeing it due to the bad air version. Well, and you've got that other part too. You have the PR from David Ayer coming out saying, hey, what Warner Brothers put out in the theaters was not my movie. And we have the push and... This coming Friday, for those of you who are interested, this coming Friday is the big release the air cut trending event. People are going to try to get that hashtag trending over on social media on Friday because there are people who want to see the air cut. And the Snyder cut success, do you want to call it a success, shows that consumer movements can work sometimes. And I would submit that the consumer movement known as Comicsgate has injected a certain amount of energy into the indie comics sphere, so much so that the professionals like Sean Gordon Murphy, like Scott Snyder, are t- 
sitting down and they're noticing and they're saying, hey, this is something we need to think about. Because at some point, whether they intend to or not, at some point, somebody who's crowdfunding an indie comic is going to get a knock on the door from Netflix or HBO Max or Peacock or, or, or Paramount Plus or somebody. They're going to say, hey, we really like this comic book. We want to make it a TV show. Now, there are writers out there who are sitting there saying, all I'm doing is writing a comic book. I'm not writing a Netflix pitch. I'm writing a comic book. But if it's popular enough, if it's successful enough, if it makes enough bank, don't be surprised. Can you imagine just for a moment how many heads would explode if HBO Max decided to do a Cyber Frog series? Just saying. Or if If Downcast got adapted over at Amazon. Or maybe, maybe, you know, Netflix is doing this big push into anime. Maybe what if Netflix looked at uh, uh, Keith Gleason's book, The Mighty Mascots? That's a cartoon I'd actually watch. Because it's a fun concept. Right? Breakfast cereal mascots coming to life and becoming a superhero team? I mean, sure, why not? That's, that's made for Saturday morning cartoon stuff. At some point, I don't know who's going to be, I don't know when it's going to be, but at some point, some indie crowd comic is going to get an offer It may have already happened. I don't know. I haven't heard that anybody's gotten an offer. It may not be politically sound enough to do so as of yet. Because we all know that Comicsgate is a hate movement, right? But the paradigm is shifting again. Whatever your feelings are about Comicsgate as a movement, independent comics as a whole are picking up steam and they are drawing more attention from people outside of just the comic book reader crowd. The New York Times, ladies and gentlemen, has done an article on the Substack Comics deal. Now, I know it's the New York Times. And I know the New York, New York Times just got done publishing this big, huge, big, massive... Uh, how do I describe it? Um fawning over Alex Kurtzman, how he's going to save Paramount Plus. Uh, 
He's the guy for streaming. Okay, fine. New York Times doesn't have any credibility for me whatsoever. But for the for the New York Times to take any time, any space, to put the Substack Comics thing out there, something is in the works. Somebody had to put that together. Whether it's a PR person at Substack, or if it's something, it. What if? And I'm not saying this is the case. I'm just throwing this out here. Comicsgate is getting too much attention. Comicsgate is getting too much press. These indie creators over here doing this crowdfunding stuff—they're getting too much of our business. They're taking readers away from Batman. They're taking readers away from Captain America. Well, no. You're doing that yourself by driving your readers away with your crap stories. But that's... Let's set that aside for a moment. All of this attention on crowdfunding comics. They're paying attention to the wrong people. We need to have our own people. Does this not feel a little bit like... Anything you can do, I can do better... You've got your little He-Man Woman Hitters Club over there in your woodshed. We're going to come over here in our palatial uh, 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 studio with the hot tub and the folderol, and we're going to do our own thing. How much of that is in play with all of this? Oh, well, we can't do Indiegogo. That's where those comics gate people go. We'll do our own thing. We'll do something else. And if Nick Spencer initiated this thing with Substack, that tells me Nick Spencer saw the writing on the wall last year. This is an escape hatch. This is, let's put some eggs in a different basket before the first basket gets burned. Now, all that having been said, I will say this. Because we're not part of any group here. We're not part of Comicsgate. We're not part of Fandom Menace. I, I have said on a number of occasions that I can sympathize with them on a number of things. I agree with them on a number of points. But we're not in a group. And... As far as coverage of indie comics, we'll interview creators from far and wide. If, when, these independent creators like Sean Gordon Murphy, Scott Snyder, James Tenyon IV, any of these people, if they make a book and that book is good, then you should say so. Give them your business if that's what you want to do. Don't let the stigma that people are trying to attach to this, that, or the other person drive you away from quality. That's where this needs to be for all of us as consumers to make a difference, to make a point to the people who are publishing this stuff 
you buy what you think is good quality. Writing, art, whatever. And it's not just about comics. It's about everything. It's about television shows. It's about movies. It's about streaming services. It's about books. It's about t-shirts and, and tennis shoes. If you want to make a statement, you make a statement with your dollars. You have the control as the consumer what succeeds and what doesn't. Cam1138, that's a good question. How many people know the He-Man Woman Haters Club has nothing to do with Masters of the Universe? Well, if you're of an age, you're going to recognize the He-Man Woman Haters Club. What was the what was the salute? All right. That's going to do it here this afternoon. Thanks very much for being here, everyone. If you are so inclined and you want, if you want to, uh, to buy my book, it's over on Amazon, The Hero at the End of His Rope. Uh, it's available for Kindle and paperback. So I, go check it out. It's, it's an experiment. I have thought about expanding on it. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's the next experiment for me. Maybe I take this book and do the expansion of the book and make it available as Substack or Locals. I don't know. We're over on Locals, so you can check us out there. You can check, it out, check us out on all the social medias. We're on lots of them, probably more than we need to be. And if you have thoughts that you want to share with us, if you're uh, watching this on replay or if you're listening to this as a podcast, live from the bunker at sci-fi-for-me.com. If you are listening to this in podcast format, we do uh, ask that you give a rating, a review. Feel free to share this with anybody you think might be interested. And uh, we're going to head out today. We are drawing closer to number 300 if uh, the computers cooperate that'll be on Monday I'm not sure what we're going to do yet I had an idea but I don't know that it's going to be something that we can pull off by Monday we'll have to we'll have to look and see uh, Cam1138 followed us on Locals thanks very much uh, <laughs> Christopher says that should be the title of a new show if you are of a certain age you know that's not a bad idea. We could uh, we could probably we could probably put something together with that. Our our phase four. If you're of a certain age, Fahrenheit 1984, and maybe we bring back Comic Con Carney as as well. So uh, anyway, all right. So plans and schemes continue here. In the meantime, feel free to check out any of the rest of the videos that we have here on the channel. Right now, we have seven shows in production, and uh, we're sure that hopefully maybe. There's something that you will like and uh, you can share with other people. You never know. You never know. All right. Uh, that's, that's all for today. Remember, there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2021 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.